Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Father Brown, episode titled The Curse of the Golden Cross. What does a gambler, an English lady, a steward, a vicar, and a professor have in common? And who has the right to it? We'll see. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. We present The Curse of the Golden Cross, adapted by John Scottney, with Andrew Sachs as Father Brown. 120 miles yesterday. I was nowhere near it. Me neither. <laughs> How about you, Professor? I beg your pardon? What is this? Oh, well, surely you know, Professor. Each day they, they run a kind of sweepstake on how far the ship has traveled. What a curious notion. Some people will gamble on anything. Hey, look who's coming up for air. Poor old Father Brown. Oh, he sure looks one very sick priest. <laughs> Father Brown, how are you feeling today? Oh, no, not very well, I'm afraid, Lady Diana. Oh, my poor fellow. Uh, Do sit down. Yes, thank you, I, I will. Uh, Father Brown. Oh, yes. Avoid jam. I beg your pardon, Lady Diana. Avoid jam, especially strawberry jam. That's the answer. I always do, and I'm never seasick. Except, curiously, once on a Nile steamer. But that could have been the pickled octopus. It tasted awfully funny, I remember. Uh, pickled? Uh, oh, dear. Yes, I expect it was. Rum and grapefruit juice. That's a cure. Or champagne with a measure of brandy. That sounds like your style, Leonard. Oh. Hey, you got any ideas, Prof? I confess I'm not a good traveler, but I generally manage to remain moderately healthy by avoiding alcohol and rich foods. <laughs> Perhaps you might try some lemon tea, Father Brown. Lemon tea? Oh, yes. Yes, perhaps I will. Steward? Yes, sir? Bring us two glasses of lemon tea, will you? Yes, sir. I say, Professor, you're something of an expert on Byzantine... Um, Byzantine thingies, aren't you? I have written eight or nine books on various aspects of the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. Yes. But I've been looking through the New York papers we picked up just before we left. There's something about the body of a Byzantine bishop being found somewhere on the south coast, near, near Dover. Oh, right. Now, if I can ask you as a specialist in the field, isn't that pretty improbable eh, in the 15th century? I mean, Dover's an awfully long way from Constantinople. Dover's <laughs> also a long way from Jerusalem. Uh, plenty of crusaders made that journey three centuries earlier. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but, Mr. Smythe, you say I'm a specialist in this field? Well, that's what everyone says. I must tell you, Mr. Smythe, that the hardest thing on earth is to specialize. How can a man know anything about Byzantium till he knows everything about Rome before it, and indeed about Islam? Why, take algebra. Uh, but I won't take algebra, Professor Smale. I never did, and I never do. <laughs> but I love anything really ancient. I was with Gatton in Egypt, you know, when he opened those first dynasty tomb things, oh, and I got some jolly good bits for my collection. <laughs> uh, Gatton, you say? He's an interesting man. That brother of his who went into Parliament, he was tipped for a cabinet office, you know. We're not talking politics now, Prof. I'll lay you six to four you're going to visit that little village where they found this bishop by in uh, Kent, isn't that mm -hmm. it? Hmm. 
You know, Mr. Tarrant, Kent's pretty large as these little English sections go. You could wander in it for a goodish time, and it's a good place to wander in. You don't say. I don't know about you, Diana. I feel like a drink. Not before you've had a game of shovelboard with me. Your word is my command. <laughs> Excuse me, gentlemen. I reckon I'll join you. I'll let you tend to Join us if you like, but we're playing purely for fun. Goodbye, Father Brown. Uh, goodbye. Professor Smale. Lady Diana. Yes. Oh, dear. Lady Diana seems to have travelled very widely. Lady Diana is the wife of a rich fool who doesn't know she's gallivanting about with that drunken, good-for-nothing Smythe, who in turn is no doubt being fleeced by my fellow countryman, the card shop, Tarrant. But uh, what about her collection of antiquities and her travels? I believe she's been as far as Luxor in Egypt. Thanks to Thomas Cook, Luxor is nowadays as easy to get to as Paris. They even had an English dance band in the theatre company when I was there. Oh, really? Your lemon tea, gentlemen. Oh, thank you, Stuart. Thank you so much. Yes. You know, Father Brown, mm. you were pretty quiet during that conversation about the bishop. I was? Tell me. What do you think was the point of that little talk? Um, well, um... Well, it seemed to me that the company made three attempts to get you to talk about the corpse of a bishop found in Kent. And um, you, on your side, offered to talk about algebra, and then politics, and then the Kent landscape. <laughs> in short, you thought I was ready to talk about any subject but that one. You were quite right. Ah, yes. Oh, this lemon tea is excellent, Stuart. Thank you, sir. Mm. Now, see here, Father Brown. I've only known you a few days, but I consider you were about the wisest and straightest man I ever met. Oh. So I'm going to tell you say? why I was careful. Yes. No, plain scared of mentioning anything about the find. The con man Tarrant, by the way, he was right to guess that that's why I'm going to Europe to look at it. Ah. A couple of years ago, I was in Egypt. I got a call from Gatton. One of his colleagues had been doing some work on the 20th Dynasty Pharaohs. Their tombs are hollowed out deep in a reasonably remote valley. Uh, that's the Valley of the Kings. Exactly. All of these tombs were robbed in Roman times, but he found some evidence that people had been living in one in the first century. Oh. Of course, being an Egyptologist, Gatton wasn't interested in anything later than 1000 BC, but he thought his finds might interest me. And they certainly did. I found the walls were covered in this symbol. Here, I'll draw it for you. <clears throat> Oh, yes. There. Ah, yes, yes. It's the ichthus, the fish, the, um, the early symbol for Christ. Uh, yes. yes, Father Brown. I believe that this tomb was used by the earliest Christian groups in Egypt to escape persecution. Just like the catacombs in Rome. Only the catacombs were used as a refuge for the third century persecution of Diocletian. These dated from Nero's persecution, only 20 or 30 years after Christ's death. Good heavens. I made my way along a maze of subterranean passages which led to a heap of broken vessels. Buried under this heap, I found a small gold cross. On the back was the same realistic fish design. Ah. Father Brown, I realized with awe that I was holding probably the earliest known item of Christian regalia, a cross that for all I knew might have belonged to St. Paul himself. Mm. Then the nightmare began. How do you mean? I started back. 
Everyone walking along stone passages knows what it is to be followed by phantom feet. The echo of one's own steps flapping along behind. The echo didn't worry me until I stopped to examine one of the painted figures on the wall and found the other feet did not stop. Hey, hello? Is anyone there? Hello? I said, is anyone there? Oh, good God, what do you want? What do you mean? You have to me. What? A crust. What do you mean it belongs to you? It belongs to me. It would be better for you to return it. I'm pretty unsuperstitious, Father Brown, but I confess I got scared. I began to run. Get away, Professor. Then we came to a long, straight passage. I could just make out a shape at the end. The bullet bounced off the wall by my head. That must have been frightening. Strangely enough, I was reassured. At least I knew my pursuer was human. Ghosts, I imagine, don't carry modern firearms. Anyway, eventually I got out and made as much speed as I could back to my hotel in Luxor. Mm -hmm. Next day, a note arrived. I've got it here. The cross is mine. I found it, but I was with another and could not remove it. When I came back yesterday to retrieve it, I found you had stolen it some minutes before. Return it to the place you found it, or you will die. Hmm. Over the last couple of years, I've received several similar messages. Your tea's cold, sir. Would you like some more? Uh, no, thanks. Oh, well, I will. And uh, oh, could I have some chicken sandwiches, Stuart? Do uh, you know, I'm beginning to feel better. Uh, yes, sir. I'll go and get them now. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, uh, Professor Smale, it's a disturbing story, but um, what has it to do with the find in Kent? The vicar at Dulham is something of an amateur archaeologist. Apparently, he met me at a conference some years back. He wrote to me to say that the bishops seem to have a similar cross with them. Good Lord. It's perfectly understandable. In the early 15th century, the Byzantine emperors were hard-pressed by the Turks. They sent several embassies to Europe. Mm -hmm. The cross might have been a gift to Henry V. It wasn't long after Agincourt, and he was reckoned to be the best soldier in Europe. You kept changing the subject over the bishop because you suspect one of our fellow passengers is your mysterious enemy. I know it. This note arrived in my cabin this morning. You'll see the handwriting's the same. Ah, oh, yes, yes, I see what you mean. The cross in Kent is mine by rights. Touch it and you die. Hmm. Seems to have a rather dramatic turn of phrase. Have you any idea who it might be? It could be anyone on board. Hmm. He may be me. <laughs> he may be anyone else. You're the only man I feel sure is not my enemy. Well, oddly enough, I'm not. But the man, the person threatening you, might try to arrive at the village before you and... Um, impersonate you. I hope my plan should take care of that. Your plan? I've telegraphed ahead for a fast automobile and a driver to be waiting for me at Southampton. It's only 130, 140 miles to Dulham. 
I intend getting there before anyone else, and I'll wait. If any one of the passengers from this boat turns up there, I'll know my man and I'll have my revolver in my pocket. Father Brown, I hate to impose on you, but I'd be mighty grateful if you'd come with me to Dulham. We'll be there first and we'll have the element of surprise on our side. I can't see anything going wrong. What in heaven's name is wrong with this automobile driver? Can't say as I can say, sir. Oh, hang on. Oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Oh dear. Worse than I thought, sir. Can't fix it on my own, I'm afraid. Damned automobiles. We've been here an hour and three quarters. I wonder where the devil the nearest railroad station is. I say, can you hear? Yes, it sounds like another motor car. Oh, yes. Look, I say, uh, stop. Oh. Hey. Stop, please. Stop. Thank you. Come here, old chap. Oh, yes. I say, Father Brown and Professor Smythe. Mr. Smythe, Lady Diana, this is very fortunate. What are you doing in these parts, Smythe? My dear Professor, your Byzantine bishop was simply too exciting to be missed. We simply had to come along. Anything we can do to help, driver? Best thing I can ask you to do, sir, is uh, telephone this number. They'll send someone to tow us into Dover. We'll do, old man, we'll do. Now, Professor Smale, Father Brown, unless you want to walk the rest of the way, you'd better hop in. There's plenty of room. Oh, thank you so much. You come too, Professor. You must tell us all about this bishop, this discovery at Dulham. Oh, This looks like the church. Look at that. There's a telegraph office by the little station. Uh, excuse me. I'll just go and telegraph the motor car company about the breakdown. I won't be long. He seems very nervous, the professor. Yes, yes, I think he is. Oh, look, look, over there. That roped-off hole by the church. That must be the excavation. Ah, come on. Ah, let's go and have a look at it. Ah. May I help you, Father Brown? Oh, yes, but what about Lady Diana? Oh, I can look after myself, Father Brown. There, see? Come on, Leonard, I'll race you. Ah, oh, hang on. Uh, there. Uh, you're all right now, yes, Father Brown? thank you so much. So kind. Right, you're on, Diana. Hey, good God. Look who's coming out of the, the hole, the excavation place. Oh, no, Leonard, it can't be. Is that damn swine talent? What the devil's he playing at? Shh, darling. Oh, uh, why, Mr. Tarrant? Lady Diana and Mr. Smythe and Father <laughs> Brown. Yes. So, yes. you've all come to look at the famous bishop, too. Yes, <laughs> I can tell you. It's quite something. It seems the old boy was embalmed. Mm. He's lying there as large as life and twice as natural. Mm. Come and have a look. Um, uh, the vicar, shouldn't we see him first? Oh, Mr. Walters, he's down here now. He was just coming out when I got ah. here. Suddenly scurried back down again. Forgot his glasses or something. He's a real eccentric. Come down and meet him. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, uh, my step style, they're, they're pretty muddy. Oh, gosh. A real tunnel. Isn't it spooky? You wait till you hear about the curse. What curse? Mr. Walters, the vicar, he'll tell you. I 
you all right, Father Oh, Brown? yes, 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 I think so. I can't see a thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, dear, I'm sorry. I'm oh, afraid I'm rather short-sighted. Oh, I beg your pardon. You can't be worse than me. It is dark. I've only brought one candle down. Ah. I, I didn't expect visitors. I'm Mr. Walters, the vicar here. Oh, How do you This do? is uh, Father Brown, Mr. Oh, Walters. Oh, and may I introduce Lady Diana Wales? Uh, charmed. Uh, Mr. Leonard Smythe. Uh, I'm afraid it's a little cramped. <laughs> well, as you can see, or I hope you can see, here's the old bishop. <gasps> He's amazing. Yes. He looks almost alive. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh. Apparently, the Byzantines had brought the craft of embalming to an almost modern level. Can oh. I have a closer oh, no, no, I beg you. The coffin lid is only propped up by a stick. It's not safe. Oh, but I must. Oh, stand, stand back, darling. That, that lid looks pretty heavy. Look at those vestments. They must be cloth of gold. Right. I've never seen anything like it. But what's this about a curse, Mr. Walters? Uh, briefly, it seems that one Guy of Geysers was lord of the manor here when the bishop passed through. Yes. Uh, Guy, who was something of a ruffian, attacked him and mortally injuring the old bishop and robbed him of all he had, including this gold cross. Wow. But before he died, the bishop proclaimed a curse on Guy and all others who should desecrate the sacred relic. And did he die? Yes. Guy died horribly of the plague a few months later, but not before he had disposed of the cross to a Jewish moneylender. You're going to tell us something horrible happened to the Jew? Yes, but first... Guy's son, who had become a monk, perhaps because he was disgusted by his father's bandage, made the Jew hand the cross back. And how did he do that? Apparently, the Jew was his vassal. Oh. Yes, yes. But you said something about the Jew dying a horrible death. Oh, yes. By that time, the Jew also had the plague, and he too died. Oh. And the son returned the cross to the tomb, and to stop anyone touching it, added his own curse to that of the bishop, that anyone who so much as lays a finger on it will also be accursed. And here I am, holding it in my hand. Oh. <laughs> Hello? Who's there? Hello? Hello? Who's there? What? Professor, what what are you doing? I, uh, when I heard voices, I, I thought someone was robbing the tomb. Well, you can put the revolver away, Prof. It's only us. Tarrant, are you here too? Sure am. Came on the railroad. I was the first one here. Well, what kept you, Professor? I went to look for the vicar. Oh, well, he's here. Who is this person? Well, this is Professor Smale, Mr. Walters. I don't believe I've had the pleasure. See, don't I know you from somewhere? Quite possibly, Professor. I've certainly been expecting you. If you'd care to come over here, I can show you the cross. This way. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but my eyes aren't used to the light yet. Uh, over here by the bishop. Oh. I'm afraid there's only the one candle. Oh, oh, over here. Thanks. Don't all crowd round. What happened? What happened? See, I couldn't quite see. Uh, one of us, my God, it could have been me, must have caught the stick propping the lid up. Oh, oh my God. Well, come on, let's try, try and get the lid up. Right here. Here is. 
This yeah. is terrible, terrible. I must get him. I must get him. Come on. I think we've got it up here, yeah. Mr. Smythe. Will you, will you, will you pull him out? Of course. Oh. Ah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Yes. You better be carried up into the air. I reckon there's a chance for... Hey, give me a hand. We'll carry him out. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Does it? Yes. Careful now. Careful. There. Put him down. Put gently. That's under his yeah. He isn't dead, but I think it's pretty bad. Yes. Mr. Smythe, yes. would you go and get help in your motor car? Bring a doctor? But hasn't the vicar gone? Yes, well, I think you should go as well. Yes, Come on, Diana. Don't argue. We'll be as quick as we can. Thank you so much. Well, I've done what I can for him. Yes, it's very professional, Mr. Tarrant. Mm. Obviously, know what you're doing. My business, you have to yes. know a bit about this sort of thing. I guess you must have realized I'm not mm. what I seem. Well, I thought of it about halfway through the voyage. I imagine you're a detective employed by Lady Diana's husband to follow her and Smythe, <laughs> are you? Sure thing, Father <laughs> yes. Brown. Yes. That's why I came here. Well, not to see the mummy. Mm. I came because I heard they were coming here. Uh, the lovebirds. By the way, uh, why did you send them off? After the vicar's gone to get help. Oh, I sent them off to get a doctor, as I said. Uh, you see, you're not the only person who isn't what you seem. Uh, 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 how is he, doctor? The professor. Yes. Well, I've given him a draft, and he's resting now. Oh, good. Oh, he's very weak, but uh, much better than he was this morning. It was your prompt action that saved him, Mr. Tarrant. Oh, indeed. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must get back. I'll come again tomorrow. You're all staying here at the inn? Uh, yes, yes, we thought it best, uh, just for a day or so, until we're sure about Professor Smale's condition. Well, you'll find it a pleasant enough place, if you can enjoy yourselves in the circumstances. <laughs> there are some excellent walks by the cliffs. Oh, thank you. Oh, good evening. Uh, good evening, Doctor. Thank you so much. I don't think we shall be walking by the cliffs again, not after what we found there just now. No. What do you mean? It's the bishop's curse. It's taken the vicar just as it did the professor. What, what in the world has happened now? Mr. Walters, uh, the vicar, has committed suicide. Oh, I don't believe it. We've just found his black hat and clothes by the cliff top. He appears to have jumped into the sea. I suppose the shock of what he did unhinged him. In fact, I was just going to telephone the police to tell them of the vicar's death. I already have telephoned them about the vicar's death. Hmm? I, I expect they'll be here soon. What? Well, how did you know? Well, when? About an hour ago, Mr. Smythe, as soon as I felt able to leave the professor's bedside. But, but we've only just... How do you mean? Well, Lady Diana, you've travelled to the ends of the earth in search of ancient history... But uh, what do you know about our own history? The men who built your own parish churches, framed our laws, gave their names to our towns. Now, I don't claim to know that much myself, but I do know that no Jew could have been the vassal of a feudal lord. Uh, they were all directly under the king. Oh, and in any case, in the early 15th yeah. century, there were no Jewish moneylenders in England. The Jews had all been expelled a hundred years before by Edward I. You mean the story of the curse wasn't true? Indeed, I do mean that. It had nothing to do with the Middle Ages. It was made up by somebody whose notions of medieval life came from novels and melodramas. 
It was probably invented on the spur of the moment. You mean the vicar made it up? I mean the vicar's murderer did. What's this about the vicar's murderer? I mean, how do you know he was murdered? Can't even be completely sure he's dead. We haven't seen the body. But you have seen his body. Dressed in the bishop's golden robes and lit by a single candle. And oh. you've seen his murderer. Spinning us a romantic tale about a curse before dashing off and abandoning his stolen clothes on the clifftop. Indeed so. <laughs> My God. Do you mean the corpse was actually the dead vicar and the man we talked to was his murderer? Yes. Sure was good of you to come to my lecture, oh, Father Brown. Not at all, not at all. It was extremely enlightening. <laughs> in, in fact, I'm surprised you gave it. Only six weeks after what happened to you. Oh, one has one's duty to one's students. Mm. Do you think he'll hang? Uh, oh, oh no, 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 no. He's clearly a monomaniac, completely insane. How did you realize it was him? Well, um, I'm rather short-sighted, but. Um, like you, I thought I recognised him. And then it occurred to me that uh, it isn't uncommon for actors to take jobs as ship's stewards between engagements. And you had mentioned there was a company of actors in Luxor when you were last there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was why he was able to impersonate the vicar so effectively. Yes, and also perhaps explains the melodramatic quality of the notes. But why do you think he killed the vicar? Ah, I thought of that when he didn't seem to recognize you. If you remember, the steward wasn't present when you told me on board the ship. Do you remember no. that the vicar knew you by sight? Oh. Well, perhaps when he came to the village, he pretended to be you, and uh, when Walters, the real vicar, realized he was fake, uh, the steward simply killed him. <sighs> Poor fellow. Oh, and by the way... Embalming was pretty rare in the 15th century, and there's no way the body would have been in that state of preservation. Oh, really? So the card shop was not a card shop, the vicar wasn't a vicar, mm -hmm. the mummy wasn't a mummy, and the medieval legend wasn't a medieval legend. <laughs> Perhaps it's as well there are some eternal verities. Yes. <laughs> Do you know, I think I'm beginning to understand something. Something I never understood before. Oh? So the steward was mad. He was obsessed with one thing. Why should I worry? Because one madman among a million sane men leagued in a great society against him chooses to brag of pursuing me to death. The man who drew those fishes, the secret symbol of Christ, in the dark catacomb, he was pursued and persecuted too. He had his obsession and the whole of supposedly sane society was against him, not in the dark tunnels, but ranged in ranks in the daylight and owning all the earth and commanding all the armies and crowds. Yes, yes. The fish was driven underground. Will, I fear, be driven underground again, but it will come out into the daylight once more. <laughs> As St. Anthony of Padua remarked, it is only fishes who survive the deluge. In The Curse of the Golden Cross by G.K. Chesterton, the part of Father Brown was played by Andrew Sachs, Professor Smale by Tim Reynolds, Mr. Tarrant by Peter Marinka, Lady Diana Wales by Natasha Pine, Leonard Smythe by Peter Wickham, The Steward, The Vicar and The Voice by Terry O'Brien, the Driver by Jonathan Taffler, 
and the Doctor by Eric Stovell. The Curse of the Golden Cross was adapted by John Scotney, and the director from Bristol was Alec Reed. been a nostalgic mystery radio presentation i hope you enjoyed this episode please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app also there's a nostalgic mystery radio youtube page for your perusal to subscribe to you can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com i hope you have a blessed day or evening and again thank you for listening